Hello pod, I'm Chris Hewitt. Welcome to the Empire Podcast's review of the year 2014. Joining me today to discuss the ups and downs of the past 365 days or so are most... It wasn't a leap year, was it? No? No. Definitely just 365. Okay, good. Are most of the people whose voices have made you laugh, made you cry, and chilled you to the bone this year, especially when maybe they've done a Peter Laurie impression, uh, they are, of course... Helen O'Hara, how are you? Um, I was doing well until you did that impression. I don't know what's wrong with that, Helen O'Hara. <laughs> Phil Desemlian, how are you? Yes, very good. Good. I like that impression, so that I don't know if Why would difference. you enable him? It's a yin and yang, isn't Helen doesn't like it, but Phil loves it. Uh, and Ali Plum. Hello. Did we think, for example, that 2014, which didn't look that promising on paper, delivered more than it promised? <laughs> or do we think that it was actually a bit of an underwhelming year? I think I might give it four stars. Four stars? You're but, mad! No, but looking back, there were a lot of films that I have really enjoyed and I will watch again, and in some cases, again and again and again. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, a, a film, a year that starts off with Inside Lewin Davis uh-huh. and, and finishes with, I don't know, Paddington. You know, that's got to be a good year, even if there's an I Frankenstein in the middle. You know, you've just got to let that go. I think. There's always an I Frankenstein in the middle, isn't there? <laughs> like a world shittest kinder egg. That's cinema. There's always going to be the old bad one. There's been some bad ones, but I think it's been a good year. I think looking at our list of top 50, there's some really outstanding films, and it feels like there's been some quite experimental numbers in there as well. I mean, Boyhood, obviously. Mm-hmm. Lock. Lock. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Nightcrawler. Thinking of, in terms of what Helen was saying, in terms of uh, movies you'd watch again and again... In my personal top 20, so not the top 20 or the top 50 of the actual magazine, so this is just what I happen to think. Nightcrawler, Boyhood, Calvary, they're all movies you're going to see over and over and over. Mm. Uh, what We Do in the Shadows, likewise, Blue Ruin, which you put me on to, Phil, that's a real treat. Uh, if I could recommend anything that's currently... Um, is it on, maybe it's on US Netflix, but do check out Blue Ruin. Obvious Child, Starred Up, Cold in July, The Guest, Mistaken with Strangers was that national documentary. Mm-hmm kind of documentary I talked about in the live show in Edinburgh. These are all movies I am definitely going to see again, and I think that's the real mark of a good film when it comes down to it. Do you want to watch it again? Do you want to watch it again quite quickly? Mm-hmm. Yes. I certainly feel that, though it's not out this year, which kind of blends things, Whiplash is... We have this problem, obviously, UK-US release dates, when's it out, when it's... When, you know, you're probably thinking when Helen said Inside Lewin Davis, wait, was that out this year? Mm, mm. And of course it was. So do be forgiving... As was the Wolf of Wall Street. Yep, yeah. quite. Be forgiving with us American listeners or UK yes. listeners with poor memories. Please do be very forgiving. Yes, we have had an awful lot of why the hell is Whiplash not in your top 20 of the year or why, where the hell is uh, Birdman and uh, they'll be on next year's top 20 list unless, of course, there are... 18 or 19 other cracking films in the next, <laughs> next would, 12 months or so. I would be... Tell you what, if there are 19 films better than those two mm. in the next 12 months, uh, then that is a nailed-on five stars for 2015. I'll what say a that treat. Right I want to say, you know, just... I know we don't do the patriotic thing, but it has been a really... It feels like a really good year for up-and-coming British filmmakers. True. I think Steve McQueen is probably past that point. I think he is now. Obviously, yeah. but he is. But, I mean, yeah. in a short space of time, he's come through and made three remarkable movies yes. and, and I think 12 years is probably his best and Chris Nolan for example had another breath Chris year. Nolan he's up and coming <laughs> still keeps pushing away yeah, yeah. but you know Amara Sante who, who was on the podcast made yeah. Belle which was yeah. very very good and she's propelled herself forward um, you've had Stephen Knight who made the rather ho-hum hummingbird <laughs> and has now made the really rather good lock um, Mike you... Lee for me Mr. Turner's almost one of Mike Lee's very very best films yeah. again not really an up and comer per se 
and Matthew Warchus for Pride, yes, which is absolutely terrific. And yes, I think more people, more people are going to see it over time, and they're going to fall madly in love with it and wish they'd seen it in the cinema. Yann Demange is uh, 71, you know, for a debut filmmaker. Very, very good. Paul King, obviously. We're not going to bang on too much about Paddington in this podcast, I promise you. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Five years after his first movie, he comes back with a a second film that I think we all fell in love with. So that's great. Yeah, and Hossein Mamini, who made, you know, a a very, very good screenwriter, Patricia Highsmith's work, you know, brought it to the screen as a director. Uh, It's nice to see when screenwriters make the transition and do it so well. Mm with Two-Face of January, so... Great. I think from, yeah, from a local talent point of view... It's been a very... Plenty. Yeah, honestly, I, I went into this year with a little bit of trepidation. I looked at this slate and I thought, oh, I wasn't that excited. And I think I'm going to go with you guys. I'm going to give it four stars. It's been a cracking year. We've had, we've had very solid blockbusters yeah. along, the, along the way, just covering off that side of things. We've had The Edge of Tomorrow, which is a fantastic film, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, which I... I think may just be for me anyway Marvel's best movie uh, Captain America The Winter Soldier was excellent X-Men Days of Future Past was excellent we had some clunkers of course we had Transformers Age of Extinction which we you know, we expected to be pretty poor uh, we've had some great comedies 22 Jump Street and a Lego movie and other movies that weren't directed by Phil Lord and Chris Miller <laughs> uh, The Inbetweeners 2 I really really liked we've had some cracking British indies I, I loved 71 Cavalry not a British film but a great film one of my top 10 of the year Startup uh, Startup as well great comedy that yeah. one mm, that's laugh a minute I, honestly that bit where people were in a lot of pain <laughs> wow <laughs> if there wasn't canned laughter you wouldn't know when to laugh uh, yeah. Cam- under the, the word um, by the way just anyone who hasn't seen Startup all of that was satire. Please. Yes, Please indeed. don't be alarmed. It's don't. a prison drama about yes. a, a, it's brilliant. an underage, uh, an underage youth offender who gets starred up, put into the big boy prison because he's he's a bad one. Yes, the year of Jack O'Connell. The yes. Chinese year of Jack O'Connell. Um, but there are moments in that film where you almost want to laugh because it's so ridiculous, the mm. over the top. And he turns up first day of prison and he's all prepared with this big bag of Tesco's bag of baby oil. And you're like, what is that for? And then you discover it's for making himself unassailable. He just becomes, he covers himself in baby oil when they come for him in his cell and they can't get him because he's too slippery. What's so interesting about that (laughs) is that's actually a trick that was used in the first season of Gladiators uh, in 1993, (laughs) where one of the gladiators covered their legs in baby oil so that when they were grappled on the rings, they fell off. So take that wolf. Yeah. You think that's where they get it from? I'm almost certain Jack O'Connell got it off Gladiators. Wouldn't you like to see Gladiator Prison? Would Contenders, I? ready! Shivers, <laughs> ready! It would be, it'd be interesting, wouldn't it? All the Gladiators are framed for crime they don't commit. Now, Big go Dave, you will go on my first one. Yes. <laughs> and they go to prison. They all get put in the same prison. This is high concept. Hollywood, if you're listening, get, get a pen, get a paper. And they all go to prison and they have to bust out together. And they get attacked by, like, John Fajanu, who's... Uh, John Fashion is in the prison as well, and mm. he's masterminding their escape. And Wolf has to baby oil himself up, and I've got, that's that's where I've stopped. I think it should star Russell Crowe as Wolf, uh, and obviously be the sequel to Gladiator. An amazing idea. Right, so that, well, that's the review of the year done. We're, we're <laughs> sorted. We've got Gladiator Prison on the way. Um, yeah, solid year, four stars. Uh, should we break it down into some categories? That's what we tend to do in the Empire Podcast review of the year. We Let's tend to break it. it down into categories, and then get you guys to talk about it. Um, so first off. Performance of the year. Ooh. Mm. So not best actor, not best no. Let's, let's let's put it together. Let's put everything together. What do you think? What what is gender? What is it? <laughs> I, I, it's a question I ask myself on a daily basis. What is gender? Um, Performance hmm. of the year. Well, I will say straight off the bat, Mr. Jakey, J 
Jake Gyllenhaal. 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 He is fantastic as Lou Bloom in Nightcrawler. He really does become another person and it's quite haunting and quite unsettling. You feel quite squirmy watching him. Uh, he, he, and it's not just the gaunt face, but it's really that he becomes this unreal person that at the same time you know you know people who are a bit download the step-by-step guides to being a more charming person person mm. and he's very 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 good and he, it's nightcrawler's yet another one of those movies i felt this year has suffered from having these great small movies like calvary and the like what we do in the shadows that have had the 10 screening problem only in select cinemas and uh, Nightcrawler has not been seen by enough people. And if you are looking for a best performance from me anyway, uh, it's certainly him. Wow. I remember texting all of you guys, actually. You did. As soon as I walked out of the cinema, I said, wow, what a film, go watch it. Because I was lucky enough to see it early. So, mm. yeah, mm. I, I stand by that. I really hope he gets the Oscar. I don't think he's even going to be nominated. No, I don't think he, I don't think so either. I which, don't think uh, it's that kind of performance. Yeah, sometimes. which uh, is one of those... The law is an ass kind of situations. Um, I would say my man of the year, my single performance of the year, Mm -hmm. might be uh, still Oscar Isaac in Inside Lewin Davis or DiCaprio in Wolf of Wall Street, I think is amazing. But for overall performance of the year, it's probably between Jack O'Connell, the aforementioned, for Mm -hmm. Startup and for 71. I haven't seen Unbroken yet, but certainly Mm -hmm. the word on his performance is that it's very, very good. Or maybe, I mean, the man of the year, probably in terms of overwhelming kind of presence, is probably McConaughey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dallas Buyers Club, Interstellar, True Detective on TV. He's at that point now, isn't he, where people are going, oh, not him again. <laughs> not McConaughey. So he, the McConaughey is, is back over again. Now it's the... Resurgence. Yeah. Well, I think people are feeling that about Benedict Cumberbatch, that he's kind of a bit everywhere. He mm. had the imitation game, obviously, and then he did a round of press in the UK, then a round of press in the US, and now he's in Penguins in Madagascar, and then that <laughs> came out in the US, and now it's in the UK. And Penguin. he had he had many movie films. I know he was just about a lot, and uh, there was the Sesame Street thing he was doing, and the list goes on and on. It's funny how these these people get super popular, then there's the backlash, and it always happens that way. But anyway, Phil, what was your performance? My performance of the year from a male person or from just anyone? Anyone. You can, um, you can have two any, performances okay. of the year. I just thought I'd mix Before it up I, a bit. All right, I'll mix it up a bit. Um, Ray Fiennes in, in, in Grand Budapest mm. Hotel I thought was absolutely brilliant. I love that film. I think it's Wes Anderson's best movie and I thought he just carried it. He's hilarious. His comic ability are underrated. I think they're not underrated, but he doesn't maybe do as much as he perhaps could because he's got incredible comic timing. Almost sort of Buster Keaton-esque uh, in this movie, and he brings heart and pathos to it, and that character is a tightrope act, and he absolutely nails it. Scarlett Johansson is an honourable mention as well for Under the Skin, and I just a really gutsy choice of role, and an incredible movie, and I think she's very, very good in it. Really ethereal and unearthly in the way that playing an alien would normally demand you to be and she pulls that off and I think with every performance she's showing more and more as an actress I wasn't 100% convinced by her even in sort of post ghost world days way back when that she had that range but she seems to be trying to push herself in new Mm. directions and she's good even in Lucy which I don't think by and large we love that much well she had a cracking year didn't she she had a good year she uh, ran the gamut from A to Z, art house yeah. to 
Sard House. Sard House. There's Under the Skin, Sard House. Uh, Under the Skin, Lucy, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. She's very good in that. Uh, and her, of course. Yeah, I love the yeah. fact that she just forsake Hollywood luxuries to go and hang out in a van in Glasgow for, you know, however long with Jonathan Glazer, who mm. is a, you know, in many ways an artistic bit of a genius, but hasn't had, you know, done a lot recently. And yeah. she really helped him get that film made. I think without her, it wouldn't have happened. So that's great. And I'd echo what Helen says about Jack O'Connell. It has been the year of the, the O'Connell since. And <laughs> I have seen Unbroken, and he's good in it. I think he's not as good. I mean, he's not as good a movie as perhaps those other two, maybe. Mm. But he is very, very, very solid. He's become a star. What about uh, one of my personal favourites, Brendan Gleeson in Calvary? God, I love him. Well, I'll tell you what, he wins hair of the year for me. Yeah. His beard is magnificent. I've probably wanged on about this before, but genuinely... I don't believe you've wanged on about anything in the podcast. Wang away. Yeah. Wang on. Uh, well, no, he, he is, but he is, he's wonderful in it. Just the sense of the weight of the world being on his shoulders, the sense of, of trying to do his best and trying to believe you know, in the best in people while everyone around him seems determined to to crush that hope and crush that faith um and and still you know showing that sense of stoicism and that sense of of just determination to go on is incredible i just i just think he's wonderful i think anyone who doesn't love that character in that film brendan gleeson and ray fines reminds you how well cast bloody in bruges i mean that's one of my favorite films <laughs> but you know colin farrell Brendan Gleeson, Ray Fiennes, they're not three people you necessarily associate with comic and pathos, comedy and pathos, and they, all three of them are brilliant at that. And I think you're right, Brendan Gleeson really showed that in, in uh, Calvary this year. Yeah, he did. He's he really did, because that film is like, another tough one to put off totally, isn't it? Because it's tragic and sad and heartbreaking and funny. and, and real, Yeah, really, really funny at times, and also just really bleak. quite disturbing once mm. you stop and think about it. One of the most successful films about being Irish, I think, that I've ever seen as well. Just the <laughs> mindset is, is 100% spot on. Even more than The Quiet Man. <laughs> yeah, a lot more than The Quiet Man. <laughs> a lot more than Leap Year. Leap Year. <laughs> Which right. is possibly the worst film about being Irish. I need to write a list so I can keep <laughs> most good I don't Irish. Know, I thought Leap Year really nailed it. <laughs> Really nailed it. It just made me feel like I was I was home <laughs> for a little while. It's an interesting thing. Performance of the year. Now you automatically start thinking about Oscar worthy stuff and people wailing and gnashing and making sure they have an Oscar clip. But for me, it's about. It could be something else. It could be about a star making turn. And this year, I think we had uh, a, a few of those. Uh, yeah. We had some interesting ones. We'll talk about the character of the year in a second. You know, for, for me, Rosamund Pike and Gone Girl is a kind of where did that come from kind of performance, which is really interesting. But for me, you've you got to think about the people like Tom Cruise and Edge of Tomorrow. He has a in, really interesting arc. Starts the, the movie as this, you know, he's like the biggest movie star on the planet and he, he takes risks with being seen as a coward and a, you know, a bit of a scaredy cat. And, and it, it, he really, I think, modulates that performance really, really lovely. But uh, for me, it's Chris Pratt. Yeah. When you think about people who, you know, really just almost arrived on screen, and Dan Stevens as well, our spirit animal and the guest, arrive on screen fully formed as a movie star. It's a very, very rare thing to see. And Chris Pratt in Guardians of the Galaxy suddenly became that guy. Any film that comes up now, any film with a, with a guy of that age in the lead role, who's the first person that you see linked with it, 
whether it's Uncharted, Chris Pratt, Magnificent Seven, Chris Pratt, you know, Jurassic World led with him in their in their teaser trailer, you know, at the very end, it was like, hey, we've got some dinosaurs, you like Jurassic Park, don't you? But hey, it's this guy from Guardians of the Galaxy, he's in it as well, you like him, you should go see this film too because he's in it. Yeah. So that's that's interesting to me, that you know, that performance is so dripping with charisma. I, I just think it's really, really... Really interesting. He won't win an Oscar. Of course, he won't win an Oscar for it. But you know, on a, on a different set of criteria. Is it wrong that in my head there's a movie germinating in which he plays in a three-man team alongside Jason Clarke and Joel Edgerton? Who's in goal? Yeah, who's Can in he goal? bring Bautista? Can we bring Statham back because his performance is Monk, the goalkeeper? Oh, in, in absolutely right. Me machine. machine. Oh, I wasn't so let ever tell you that. Were you? Another time, another time. But what a what a day that was. What a day. Um, uh, but yeah, I just yeah, think those those three always they always kind of coalesce in my mind like they're all up for the same parts. Especially Joel Edgerton and and Chris Pratt, they feel I think no, maybe. Do you think? I feel, no? like, I feel like Chris Pratt's on a slightly different level to Joel. Yeah. I think Edgerton and Sam Worthington and Clark. Yes, mm. we're talking sort of actress of the year. Yeah. We should probably talk about Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, who remains mm. uh, the biggest actress in the world. Obviously, started off the year with American Hustle, was, for my money, the best thing in it by several country miles. Uh, I wasn't a, a huge fan of that film, but I, I loved her in it. Yeah. Weirdly, um, that, I think, was the middle part of David O. Russell's Jennifer Car- Lawrence is too young for this role, but I'm going to cast her and she's going to knock it out of the park anyway trilogy. Uh, obviously, Silver Linings Playbook was the first of the trilogy, then American Hustle, she's going to finish that up with Joy next year, which mm. she is at least a decade too young for, but <laughs> yeah. don't let that worry her. Um, then, of course, there was uh, Days of Future Past, yeah. um, where she was the MacGuffin around which the plot revolved. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Hunger Games, which wasn't the best of the Hunger Games saga, but that wasn't Ooh. because her performance wasn't great. It was because, you know, nothing happens in that bit of the book. Yeah. Shame mm. about that woodcutting movie that no one saw, <laughs> Serena. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, of course. But no, she was she was everywhere and she was jolly charming and she was unfortunately victim of a horrible crime but at the same time she's still the biggest deal right now okay so all this talk about people acting a little socks off uh, brings us to the character of the year who Groot. is the character of the year now obviously Groot we have our uh, list of 25 characters of the years on the website is Groot on there? Groot's not on there Groot's <gasps> not on that list it's kind of the weird thing when you do a list of the years like it's very hard to restrict yourself to one character from films that you deeply love. Yeah. Uh, and most people seem to go for Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, I love of, Drax too. Hey, yes, listen, there hey, there's enough love to go around here. <laughs> um, Drax and Groot and Star-Lord yeah. and Gamora. And Gamora. <laughs> and Rocket. And Rocket. <laughs> but, Not um, love for Ronan Yukuser, is there? You know, poorly paced this year. Oh, such a, such come a, on. He got to ride a battle elk. That's true. That's true. I went to um, I was went to my GP. The lady who works on the Northern Medical Centre, Leslie, she's lovely. She's a joy lady. She absolutely loves two things most of all: Jared Leto, yes. and the entire Hobbit saga. <laughs> so I I went in and and, and took a, a copy of Empire with the, all the Hobbit stuff on it. And she was telling me about the the Hobbit fan gathering. The one True Ring did a fan gathering in Leicester Square, I think, last week. Right. And she said that they were all there. Um, Billy Boyd was there, uh-huh. and Lee Evans. I was like, you sure you mean Lee Evans? She goes, oh, no, no, Lee, like Lee Pace. Yeah, Lee Pace. No one really knows who he is. And it's all what he does in the film. Because he's one of those he? guys who's, you know, he's, he's a really good actor. He's tall, good look. He's one of those guys you kind of go, I'm not entirely sure how you're not a bigger star. And then you see him sadly reduced in Garden City Galaxy. It's one biggest flaw. It's one huge flaw. It really is the, the bad guy. Uh, and 
uh, The Hobbit, where he's basically just striding around, speaking in a deep English accent and really not doing an awful lot. A uh, bit of a shame. But anyway, yeah. we're not here to well, diss Ronan. We should just quickly say, Lee Pace fans, if you want more of him, and you should, go watch Pushing Daisies, mm-hmm. which was the sadly cancelled TV show where he played a guy whose touch brings people back to life or kills them, and or... Uh, Miss Pettigrew lives for a day where he's charming. This is why we're here. I love this. <clears throat> You're telling us, you see, we don't know who Lee Pace is in these films because he's so covered in stuff. Yeah. And then Helen's here to tell us when we can actually see proper Lee Pace. We also get a ready... Unplugged. <laughs> already bloody Luke Evans was on two Empire covers, wasn't he? Bloody Luke Evans. Good year for him, wasn't it? A good year. Oh, lovely year for Luke Evans. Juicy good year. Killing a dragon and being in that track of the movie. Let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> yes. Characters. 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 Dracula from Dracula Untold. My character of the year, hands down, amazing character. Or Dominic Cooper from Dracula Untold. Basically anyone from Dracula Untold. There you go, job done. Let's or move on. anyone from Need for Speed. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I've, I've blocked that out of my mind. Not such a good year for Dominic Cooper, I'm guessing. How about Eve? Tilda Swinton's Eve from Only Lovers Left Alive. I haven't seen this film. I've heard many, many good things about Bloody it. Bloody love her. Um, it's wonderful. It's an amazingly stylish, cool, gorgeous mm. film. Um, she and Tom Hiddleston, of course, play vampires. I mean, Lush, obviously. Louche vampires. Louche cool vampires. <laughs> and I have to say, I mean, I know that uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is working on a Sandman movie. Yes. Um, Sandman should look, dress and act exactly like Tom Hiddleston does in Only Lovers Left Alive. If he does that, they will be on to a winner. Um, that is exactly the Sandman character. But he's just so cool in it. Um, so yeah, that that is an incredible character of the year. I'm going to mention Tilda Swinton as well uh, in relation to another film which is very tricky for us to talk about on Review of the Year because technically it hasn't come out in this country. Uh, It's Snowpiercer. Yes. uh, Where she is phenomenal and unrecognisable as uh, Margaret Thatcher meets uh, an evil Princess Leia. That's essentially my take on her character. She's the sort of uh, person who runs the uh, the train uh, on which Chris Evans and all that lot find themselves at the end of the world. Uh, it's, It's really... Really fantastic. She's such a good actress. She's Tilda so Swinton. good in it. She's just chameleonic. You know, she she could be in this room right now, and I would not know. Helen, she Wait does a great a speech. I'm about not going to break character. Yeah, she does. A good shoe speech. Possibly the best shoe speech of the year. I'd say <laughs> the greatest shoe speech of the year. Um, the reason why we're not we can't really talk about Snowpiercer. The reason why Snowpiercer is not really in any of the lists of. Uh, films of the year review of the uh, and a review of the year online. It's because it didn't come out in this in the UK. It came out in the states. It's on Netflix in the states. If you can see that, it's cool. It came out in the Edinburgh Film Festival. That's where you saw it, right? Yeah, I saw it at the Edinburgh Film Festival, and it was out obviously in France mm-hmm. uh, months ago. Yes. So I think you can get it on Region Two DVD, f- but with French subtitles. Yes. But um, one of the biggest farces is that somehow this movie, this fantastic movie, which stars Captain America and Tilda Swinton and Ed Harris, and has uh, great, great cast and is directed by Bong Joon-ho, doesn't have a UK distributor, still doesn't have a UK distributor, and, and from what I can tell, it's unlikely to have one for the foreseeable future. It's a bit of a shame. bit of a shame. Go and seek it out if you can. My character for you will probably be... Batman! From the Lego movie. In a movie that has about 18 breakout stars, mm-hmm. the Lego movie, it really does have one after another. Oh, I'd like to see what they're up to. I want to see what they're up to. One had to be the winner. It was Batman. He's getting his own spin-off movie before the sequel even comes out. First time. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Love that character. Me too. He is, he is my Batman by some... some <laughs> you're, you're, you're best Batman ever. Yeah. My character of the year would be possibly Dwight in Blue Ruin. Okay. Because he's awesome. Well, he's not awesome. He's kind of the opposite of awesome. <laughs> he's unawesome. 
Let me say that again. He's awful. My character of the year is Dwight from Blue Raiders. Absolutely hapless. <laughs> but I, it's just a really... It's, it's a movie I didn't know too much about. Uh, he is basically a guy that's been living rough since his parents were brutally murdered. And he's waiting, or he discovers early on from a counsellor, basically, sensitively tells him that the guy that killed his parents has been released from prison. And he, this man, the least qualified person on the planet to exact any kind of violent revenge, decides to do exactly that. And the the, the film follows his, I use the word arc advisedly, but, you know, it's a bit, it continues to be pretty hapless. Um, but he's very, he's kind of lovable, would you say, Ali? I would say he's immensely lovable for somebody who commits and does some Quite yes. atrocious things. <laughs> he also has, at the beginning of the film, Sleeping Rough, possibly even beardier than I, but he's whoppingly bearded. And then when you see him unbearded, I won't say in what context, flashback or whatever, but you do see him unbearded, and then you just... It's funny how it totally reappraises the character. Mm. You go, oh, wow, you're just a guy. You're just a guy. Mm. You're a guy, and something awful has happened to you, and you've done something awful in return. Honestly, Blue Ruin, one of my, the best recommendations you've given me so far Thanks, this year. A real, an absolute treat. I watched that one after another with Cold and July, mm. uh, which mm. are mm. obviously very mm. similar a double bill. cowboy yeah. noirs. I was going to say, it's been a good year for sort of southern, southern mesquite smoke noiry type things. Well, Cold in July. Was Mud out last with, year? Was that? No, no, well, Mud was, but Joe. Um, yeah, I threw the David Gordon Green's well. film was very good. And, and another, and the guest as well, yeah. And, and mm. these kind of smaller tighter kind of character driven and they all have fascinating characters that kind of crawl out of the bay almost although it's obviously not set in the bay but um joe has i can't remember his name i should know his name you should know his name no not i know his name the guy who died who was in it who david gordon green found on the streets of austin wade who is a feral horrible alcoholic scumbag um i don't think he really has any redeeming qualities whatsoever he's probably he's like the um um what's her name character in men women and children help me out helen what was her name oh which one um jennifer, garner. jennifer garner character like the jennifer garner character in men, women, and children. there's nothing redeemable there at all but he's um he is played by a guy called gary poulter who david gordon green found and uh, met on the streets basically and persuaded to play this role um and tragically he died quite soon after they wrapped shooting on the film because his lifestyle he wasn't in any in any way like his character but his lifestyle did mirror uh wade's uh in quite literal ways and um he he died this year but his performance is astonishing really astonishing and as a character he he's hard to shake out of your head that's joe joe wade in joe wade in joe wade in joe cold in july as well uh yeah Don Johnson's great in that film. He's on our list as well. Uh, number one on our list, on the Empire list of 25 greatest characters of 2014, was Amy Elliott Dunn from Gone Girl. A brilliant performance from Rosamund Pike. But I'm also going to say people like, uh, uh, yes, once again, David in The Guest, great character, uh, terrifying <laughs> psycho killer, the flip side of Captain America, if you will. Uh, Super Soldier Gone Wrong in The Guest. Uh, and uh, if you've seen the brilliant documentary Next Goal Wins, it's always weird to talk of uh, someone who's a real person uh, being a character, but uh, Chaya, transgender football player who plays for American Samoa, uh, in the uh, in that documentary, is is a revelation. Wonderful, wonderful character. Mm. 
And maybe Amelia from The Babadook yes. as well. I mean, in terms of horror movie characters, you know, I think horror sometimes unfairly doesn't get credited with great characters. But that is one case where it's all about the characters in the film. And it's really, it's um, Essie Davis and uh, her son Samuel, whose name is Noah Wiseman. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are just incredible together and individually. They, they both deserve a, a huge amount of praise. But I would say that Essie Davis's Amelia is probably the, the standout even there. Documentaries do throw out these characters who are real people. 20 Feet from Stardom, the Oscar-winning documentary about, about the backing singers of great musicians down the years, um, is full of them. They, these are larger-than-life uh, voices and personalities. And Tim's Vermeer, I don't know, you saw Tim's Vermeer, didn't you, Helen? Um, mm. the, about this guy that decides to use science to recreate a Vermeer portrait from scratch everything from scratch the entire setup using optics to try and pr- discover how but it's a it really a story about about how far a guy will go obsession yeah. and it's got some hilarious but there's a moment in it where he and his friend are in there and they, and they, they, they suddenly all become quite woozy and talk nonsense to each other and they realize they've been carbon monoxiding each other for about you know a couple of hours <laughs> without realizing it and you're like Dude, you need to give this up. This is nuts. <laughs> he gets his daughter back from college and makes her pose for like two weeks as a model in a vice. Oh <laughs> he has a neck in a vice. Yeah. Yeah, so um, he's a character for me. Documentary characters. I also want to mention Tom Berninger, the brother of Matt, uh, the lead singer of The National. We've already mentioned the movie, or I've already mentioned it, but Mistaken for Strangers, an amazing character that really does something quite weird with documentaries, accidentally creates a whole new genre. So check out Mistake for Strangers and do, obviously, you'll be hard to miss him, but look out for uh, for Tom. Mm-hmm. And uh, no discussion of Character of the Year can be complete without uh, a mention of Ford Brody, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson's character from Godzilla, who <laughs> <laughs> moved us, you know, made us laugh, <laughs> made us cry, <laughs> and just... <laughs> I don't know. I think it was a hero for a new generation. I don't know about you guys. I think you, I think I think you can tell you all agree with me. So that's that's a good thing. Let's let's assume that's the case. <laughs> let's assume that. Scene of the year. Should we do scene of the year? Let's do scene mm. of the year. Why not? Can we all just agree it's the kitchen scene in Days of Future Past? Probably, yeah. I mean, it's it's quite hard to beat. Beautifully choreographed. It's um it's it's lo- beautifully soundtracked and uh, and it just works, you know, the performance, the CG Everything kind of comes together and uh, and just delivers. Like I, I remember grinning broadly in the cinema and possibly cra- clapping at the end, which is usually a good sign. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is the uh, if you haven't seen X Men: Days of Future Past, it's a scene where, well, if you have seen it, it's a scene where Quicksilver uh, does his stuff in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great, I, really interesting. I because I wrote a piece for we did the soundtracks of the year, didn't we, Phil? Uh, the songs of the year, and uh, I wrote that. A piece for the website, and I did a bit of research. And so, the the, the music that Brian Singer picked to soundtrack that sequence is uh, "Time in a Bottle" mm-hmm. by uh, an American singer songwriter called I'm probably mispronounced his name, Jim Crose, I think is his name. Uh, and it's really interesting. It's quite morbid in a way. He actually died in 1973, the year in which X Men: Days of Future Past is set, which is kind of interesting. I wonder if Brian Singer knew that when he was when he hmm. chose the song. Possibly, although there is a there is a little tiny. Um wrong musical reference in that in and mm. around that scene um which is that when they're in the lift up quicksilver and magneto this is not a major spoiler if you haven't seen it um but they're in the lift and uh and magneto says i don't know karate but i do know crazy mm-hmm. which obviously comes from james brown yes 
But that song didn't come out until November and the Paris Peace Accords were like in June or something. That's true. But my theory on that is that Magneto gets perks. So one of his perks is he gets visits in his prison in the Pentagon and James From, Brown uh-huh. would have gone to see him and gone... Uh, it's, uh, they actually, I think they cover this in Get On Up. And <laughs> he would have sung that song as a preview to his mate. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, because James Brown... nonsense, but really interesting, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. Just an idea. Uh, any advances on scene of the year? Going once, going twice, if gone keep, to if, the kitchen scene. If we're keeping it superhero movies, we did a in-depth analysis of um, of the prison break. We spoke to James Gunn. Um, it's up on the website. Won't be up by the time you listen to it, if you're listening to it straight off oven tray. Yeah. But it is it is a great little scene that manages to showcase about three or four different characters uh, and also reappraise what the physicality of the room is in its entirety. Um, but yeah, it's a really great great scene. We've got, we've got James Gunn talking about it, so do check that out when it's up online. It's Mouse of the Stars, Julianne Moore on the loo. Is, You're obsessed with this scene. I'm not You're obsessed, obsessed with, with this scene. You always it's talk not about something it. You, I don't always talk about it. I'm quite a lot. Morning, morning, Chris. Morning, oh, Phil. How's Julian, it going? Oh, oh Julian, we're in the bog again. You're really in a septic tank with this movie. Isn't it's it? a remarkable <laughs> scene. There are a few in Calvary. Not that I want to bring up too many of them, but there's one in the pub, which is really, mm. yeah, it's really. There's a really good bar scene there. Mm. Um, not in the traditional sense. Well, for me, it's the opening. The opening well, the opening, the, the opening, opening is, yeah, that's, it's just one of those films that has about four or five, wow, you've really written the heck out of this one. This one where a young man just doesn't know whether he wants to go join the army or not. And that was a scene that really stuck in my head. What about the scene between uh, father and son, between uh, yeah. Brendan Gleeson and Donald Gleeson? Donald Gleeson playing possibly the, the vilest, most horrible bastard of, of 2000... I went very Irish there. Uh, 2014. <laughs> I, I talk about this film, I go very Irish, I can't help it. Um... Uh, and you know, I won't spoil it too much, but it's just absolutely horrible. Oh, but yeah, the, 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 I think the screenplay. I think Calvary in a year full of for me great screenplays and great lines. Uh, when we were doing the fifty lines of the year, there were so many. It was very hard to restrict ourselves to one or two from Gone Girl and Guardians and Calvary and uh, and uh, Jump Street. And you know, there's so yeah. many great scripts for me this year. And Calvary, I think, stood out. I got the, any of the vampire versus werewolf clashes in what we do in the shadows. I would actually add in all the the police scene when the police go into the house in what we do in the shadows. There is a magnificent line there, uh, something along the lines of "Never mind about his soul." Have you tried offering him a sandwich? Um, <laughs> it, it's just wonderful. I still haven't seen this film. Oh. I still haven't seen this film because it was in about three cinemas in London when it came out, and I just I, I missed it. I need to see it. I need to see it. I've got a feeling it would be in my top ten of the year if I did. Uh, uh, I'm going to mention a film we haven't mentioned at all, uh, which is The Raid Two. Pretty much the last half hour of that film is just action nirvana, but it's the final two fights which just kind of bleed into each other. So it's when uh, Rama, played by Eco Weiss, takes on Hammer Girl and Baseball Bad Guy at the same time, and then goes straight into this seven-minute fight sequence with the assassin which doesn't cut away once and it just leaves you absolutely exhausted at the end of it as exhausted as the victor of that fight and I won't spoil who it is uh, is it's just absolutely mind-blowing and I think the raid too felt some people felt it, it wasn't quite as good as the first movie but for me that is the absolute apex of action filmmaking in 2014 did not also lead to our pun of the year Rama Hammer Ding Dong <laughs> I had one more, um, the varnishing scene in Mr. Turner. Let's have a quick break. Compose yourselves. Uh, before we carry on, 
with the rest of the review of 2014. Nick the Bloody Semlian has joined us. Hello, sir. How are you? Hello. I've come in through the vents. <laughs> yeah, we came through the ceiling. You weren't expecting that. <laughs> yeah. You've been spending too much time with Gary Busey. Now you're living inside the walls of the booth. You told me everything I know. <laughs> Which is terrifying because yeah. he's forgotten it all. Indeed. Hello. Hello. So we were, we're talking about some various stuff. So we'll go, I'll run through you very, very quickly just to catch up. Uh, we were talking about our performance of the year. What's your performance of the year? Mm. Jake Gyllenhaal, Nightcrawler. Okay, that's the answer in the card. Good. <laughs> Character of the year? Character of the year. Yeah. Mm. Gosh, tough. I liked Mr. Turner just for his, his grunting. I don't know if mm. that's my number one, but that popped into my head. It's, it's usually the first thing that pops in your head is usually the right answer, mm. okay. I, would, I, would, I would say, in a case like this. Mr. Turner, I haven't really mentioned it that much in the podcast. Uh, and the last thing before we get on to our line of the year, scene of the year, Nick. What's your scene of the year? Mm. That's very tough. Have we talked about the guest? Have you guys been talking about the guest? Not that much. You know, say the bar fight in the guest, just because we've just done something in the magazine. Uh, spoiler. Just out at the end of <laughs> December. Um, on the amazing bar fight, which involves flaming shots and yes. drinks being thrown in people's faces and Dan Stevens being awesome. So there we go. That, of course, that's what popped into my head. Amazing. Cosmopolitans for the girls and blowjob shots for the boys. Uh, for the guys, rather. Uh, yeah, that's a great scene. Love that scene. Fantastic. All right, so we talked about scene of the year, character of the year, performance of the year, all that sort of stuff. Now, now... Line of the year. Oh, oh my word. We've got, again, on the website, on the Empire website, you can go and check it out, our 50 greatest lines of the year, um, or 50 of the greatest lines of the year. Uh, uh, not at number one on this list, but certainly a standout on this list because we got the guy who delivered the line and came up with the line, in fact, to talk about it, is <laughs> My Face is My Warrant from Transformers Age of Extinction, Titus Welliver, as the evil government bastard, I think this is an actual job title, um, James Safoy, he goes into Mark Wahlberg's farm. Mark Wahlberg says, naturally, you need a warrant to search these premises. Titus Welliver points at his face and goes, my face is my warrant. The most ridiculous line of the year. That's, uh, that's the one that sticks in my mind from 2014. Feels weird oh. to be celebrating Transformers 4 in any way. Yes. Well, it's, it. But it's hard to argue with that. But you, I actually you, have another competing line from that film. Which is? Which is Stanley Tucci yelling, I may be misquoting this slightly, science, maths. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> he just, he, pretty sure that's what he, what he yells. Listing his GCSEs. If, <laughs> biology. Wait, that is science. Um, if you're talking about Unsung Hero of the Year, Transformers Age of Extinction is a pretty terrible film, but Stanley Tucci in that film, because he, he's one of those great, I'm in a completely different movie to everyone else <laughs> performances, uh, and he kind of just makes it. I, I like at the end when they were, they're running along behind the, uh, they're in Beijing, and he's running along a corridor, and people won't get out of his way, and he goes, what's Chinese for get the fuck out of the way? Which is the, probably the best, guarantee, it's, it's probably the best, can we have a PG-13 ready now, please, Mr. MPAA line, you know, that gratuitous one use of the F word that gets you the PG-13 rating. We never get the answer to that question, do we? No, we don't. We don't. Um, <laughs> do email in, listeners, if you do know the Chinese for get the fuck out of my yeah. way. That also, and we will put this to bed, but the, the moment that I enjoyed most in that movie is when, of course, there was the scandal, shall we say, of the air conditioning unit being thrown at Michael Bay. You do actually see an air conditioning unit being thrown at somebody in this film. So there was a certain amount of maybe the most meta, most self-referential moment of the year may also be in Transformers Age of Extinction. And not evidence that they were writing the script each morning. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, no. Or what they, well, given what they the had fact, dreamt about the night before. <laughs> given the fact that Titus Welliver came up with that line, he was improv uh, maybe give us some credence to that theory, who knows. But other great lines. Else, else. Well, Hail Hydra is probably the one that has been quoted most since 
appearing in the film from whence it came, I yes. would say. If, if we're talking about something that is, is having a knock-on effect, it's probably that. This is Winter Sleep. This is uh, <laughs> Captain America the Winter Sleep, yes. But yeah, I mean, obviously it, it helped that it was taken up by the TV show as well and, you know, further used um, there, uh, the TV show being Agents mm. of S.H.I.E.L.D. in this case. But but generally it's just, it's quite a fun thing and it's become quite a funny meme in its own right of people just yeah. taking it and using it out of context. We still do it in the office all the time. We, yeah. we hug each other and whisper, hell Hydra, <laughs> and then well, again, hold a hug just a little bit too long. Again, Chris, that's mostly you. It um, is mostly me. It, has to be so. it also became, I think, the year's most popular meme, didn't it? Mm, definitely, I'd yeah. say. The other one I'd say is uh, is from 22 Jump Street. I'm a big fan of the line, I thought we had Kate Blanchett. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. When he actually means carte blanche. Ah, oh, bless. What about TARS, the funniest thing? I'd say 20% of the goodness of Interstellar was TARS, but the plenty of slaves for my robot colony. Yes. Or colony. Yes. Uh, I really enjoyed that. I think the movie needed more TARS. Extra TARS, please. What do you want to do? I am Groot. I am Groot. Yeah. Uh, for me, the line from that film is, we are Groot. That's oh, the one. That's, oh, I know. That's, that's the one that had the. I know, even hey, Helen's tearing up right now. I'm tearing up a little bit. Uh, that's, yeah, good line. Do you think Groot and Treebeard would be friends? Yes. I, think, I think Groot could that's be friends. That's a different friends. podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it would be a very different one. I'm going to keep things highbrow and put in a shout for the Expendables. Three? <laughs> Is it three or four? It's three. three. We, we've reached yeah. three. Yeah, it'll be four this time next year, won't it? Um, yeah, the amazing uh, showdown between Stallone and Mel Gibson at the end where Mel Gibson is, is, is having a gun pointed at him and he's like, I thought you were going to take me to The Hague. And Stallone just goes, I am The Hague. <laughs> it's an amazing line. I'm sorry, could you repeat that? <laughs> I am The Hague. Is that, that's not terrible Stallone. I think question. he says, I am William Hague. I think William <laughs> Hague. <laughs> what he says. William Hague turns out. Um, I'm William Hague. That's a William Hague impression. First oh. one ever in this. Hell, highbrow. We, I think, ought to mention a scene of the year that is in a movie that I guess no one saw, but... Uh, they came together has an incredible oh, are yes. they still doing this scene where Paul Rudd walks into a bar and what's the question, Chris? It's something like he sits down at the barman and he starts you he starts complaining about yeah, he starts complaining about his love life. And <laughs> and the bar you go the barman goes, you know, tell me about it. And then so Paul Rudd says it again, then the barman says you can say that again. So <laughs> it's just <laughs> constantly going and it goes on for about two minutes, the scene of Paul Rudd just being constantly fed, Tell me about it. You can say that again. Tell me about it. You can say that again. And it just goes on and on and on forever. It's the, probably the only funny joke in that film, oh, no, in fairness. There are many funny jokes in that film. It's just that none of it, you know, hangs together in any way or is in any way coherent tonally or, or story. Yeah. That is straight out of a Naked Gun movie. That's very drebbing. Yeah, that was, yeah. 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 In fact, the first time you showed me that, you, you showed me that scene. Nick and I thought oh my god this is the movie for me for me I, this is absolutely my sense of humour and then I watched the rest of the film <laughs> you show me the best bit um, but yeah that's that's a, that's a great sequence mm. and so many great lines in the Lego movie 22 Jump Street yes. Calvary as we as we say Gone Girls full of them uh, from you know probably the year's best deployment of the C word uh, there's some great lines go and check out the feature can I just say fucking centaurs <laughs> from Hercules now, is, 3D is that the best please give us a PG-13 Mr. MPAA it might be you know it might be just because centaurs make anything 120% better yeah. Brooke your ire for Mr. Turner was a noble but ultimately foiled stab <laughs> at that I like that one 
Isn't there a great scene in that where uh, he he and Constable see each other and they literally just go Constable? Yeah, Turner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One word, the one yeah. word, this. And you can just you can just sense all the enmity in those yeah in those syllables. Those syllables. To be fair, there is I a swear that. word in that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to somebody doing a supercut of all the grunting in Mr. Turner. That's oh going to be amazing. Just be two minutes shorter. Than if the you see film. me, if you see me watching my iPad and you hear grunting coming from it, that's what I'm watching. <laughs> I'll assume that's just want to just want to get it out just there watching it with the old Mr. T yeah um, speaking of which there's a, there's a line in uh, X-Men Days of Future Past talking about the, uh, the PG-13 nonsense and by the way if you know for the regular podcast if you do have a favourite example of the gratuitous effort in a movie just to get a PG-13 rating in the States do send them in because uh, it's something that's always interested me it's the bit where um, the one line in X-Men Days of Future Past the F-word uh, comes when uh, Charles Xavier James McAvoy uh, Wolverine has come to the X Mansion to try and persuade him to go along in his time traveling adventure, and, uh, and McAvoy doesn't remember him, even though they they met very very briefly in X Men First Class. And then he goes, he says, uh, "You know, I do think I, rem- I think I do remember you now. Yeah, we came to you a long time ago seeking your help, and I'm going to say to you what you said to us then: fuck off." Except it's not what he says. Yes, Wolverine's actually in X Men First Class says, "Go fuck yourself." Uh, and you'd expect a telepath to remember that. Oh. That actually is my disappointment of the year. I was, <laughs> I was genuinely so pissed off, and it really took me out of the film, because that's one of the best bits in X-Men First Class. And yeah. it really, really annoys me that they didn't get it right, because why change it? Why? Why would you... Why? Yeah. Stop I, getting Professor X wrong. <laughs> I saw Days of Future Past for further three times just to boo at that moment. Boo! Boo! I've just realised we forgot one of the scenes of the year. No. We did. What? It's uh, DiCaprio trying to get to his car in oh Wolf of Wall Street. Yes. Qualudes. Qualudes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I apologise to Qualudes. They gave us that <laughs> moment. They gave us that moment and then we forgot about it. I mean, they so don't sorry. exist anymore, Helen, so well, you I don't mean, need to. Okay then, that's a relief. Well, so they're dead, we shouldn't care. <laughs> yeah. Harsh, yes. Man. We could send Wolverine back in time to get some more. Well, you're always suggesting that, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, you like, suggested that about Twinkies a few years ago, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. We're out of uh, Terry's mini chocolate orange bits. Send Wolverine back to the past to get some more. Send, it's, wo- <laughs> send Wolverine to the local shop to buy some. <laughs> uh, but I brought, I brought up disappointments of the year. Should we, should we get a bit sad and a bit grumpy? Let's do it. So what's disappointment of the year? Is that our worst film of the year or the film that really let us down? Both, maybe? Yeah. both. I don't know. My worst film of the year was exactly what I expected it to be. Yeah, no Mrs. Brown's Boys to movie. Which was everything I hoped it would be and more. So not a disappointment by any stretch. I actually, I, th- I have to say, one of the, the best things in Empire this year was your tagline for that review. Uh, de horror, de horror. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank um, you. Which was wonderful. My disappointment of the year was, and I think Chris and Phil will echo what I'm about to say, I was super, super psyched for one movie in particular very early on this year. The Monuments Men was going to be my movie, man. Mm. I was going to I was yeah. going to be like, hey, come on, guys, let's all go watch it. You know, men on a mission. Guns that go ping when the bullet cases come out and shells and garlands and guns and... Art. art. <laughs> guns and art. And art <laughs> and guns and Bill Murray and guns and art and art and guns and Bill Murray. And, and, and instead, we didn't... It was a bit like the Antiques Roadshow, the movie, wasn't it? <laughs> Oceans 12 meets the Antiques Roadshow. It just didn't work. I wanted it to work. It didn't work. That would be one of my disappointments. Mm. Um, transcendence, if in terms of what it, what we were hoping it would be, and what it turned out to be, that's a huge g- gulf. I think there. Um, 
you know, on paper it was an interesting idea. In practice, it was just dull and 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 dreary and and not very bright, which is which is the most upsetting thing at all. When you're when you're dealing in sci-fi of big concepts, you want to feel like you're getting some intelligence in there, and, and there really didn't feel like there was much artificial or otherwise. <laughs> I'm so and such sorry. great names with Johnny Depp and yeah, and many more. Well, like Fister, Hall, you know. My disappointment this year is the same as every year. There's not more Darden brothers. There should be four <laughs> well, or five be... of them and they could like split their resources and make more films set in Antwerp. Maybe we could send Wolverine back to the past to grow some more. And pick up Quaaludes. Yeah. And then it's big, it's a big shopping the list. brothers too. <laughs> yeah. One of them would be Mood Indigo and it wasn't really that great. It was it was too mimsical. Is that a word? It's too uh, much mimsy. And it just didn't it didn't really work. Yeah, amazing, amazing, like, craziness going on. Lots to entertain the eye, not very much to engage the mind. No, I was disappointed by that one, but only because you have high expectations of a Mm. film like Maker Like Him, definitely. Um, I don't know if I was disappointed by Noah, but I thought it was bloody dreadful. (laughs) (laughs) Were you expecting to be bloody dreadful? Well, no, because, you know, it's, again, made by a filmmaker that you you put your trust in. I I, I feel the same way in terms of biblical epics as you're about Exodus, Gods and Kings. For Mm. me, that's... It's not awful but it's extraordinarily dull and you're kind of going how do you get that story yeah and and take all the interest out of it and you get the sense watching it that there's this much bigger longer even more dull movie just waiting to be unleashed uh, in the director's cut because Sigourney Weaver gets like three lines and you're just sitting there going yeah yeah I've seen this before and I don't quite get this but rock monsters yeah at least Noah really pushed the boat out in terms of <laughs> this re- <laughs> I genuinely didn't oh. mean that um, <laughs> um, in, in terms of uh, you know surreal images and whatnot. yeah rock monsters rock monsters um, not good I, I've knocked it already on the podcast so I'm not going to belabor this point but men, women and children mm. in terms of again directors whose past work we have enjoyed uh, delivering something less than stellar mm. that, that certainly should be on that list I thought Lucy was a big bag of balls <laughs> I'm not, gonna, the poster, I'm not going to add any more to that. I just thought it was just drag. Made no sense. And uh, the trailer missold. If a movie was missold by its trailer more, mm. please show it to me because Lucy showed every single action beat that there is in the film in the trailer. And what you're left with is a subplot documentary about science that makes no sense. But four hundred million dollars worldwide suggests that people were were hooked in. I liked it. I'm going to stand up for Lucy. And I think disappointing wise, Luke Besson hasn't made a, a really good film for a long time. Has he? So I think this is actually one of his better movies. I quite like Adele Blanc's second. That was okay. Yeah, it was, it like was sort of referential and fun. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Not pterodactyl, unfair. great pterodactyl. You just love Adele Blanc's second herself. <laughs> yes, that's not unfair. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say one now. Uh, my biggest disappointment of the year, and I know that a lot of you disagree with me because it was uh, 26 in our films of the year list, uh, and I know it has. The greatest character of the year in Ford Brody. But, and we've already talked about him. What a character, what a guy. That bit where he was looking for his socks <laughs> just will stay with me forever. Of course it will. But um, it's Godzilla. Yeah. For me, you know, which is weird because there's some amazing sequences in Godzilla. But I, what the trailer promised, the movie felt to deliver. And it's, it's actually kind of dull and a bit one note and a bit monochromatic tonally speaking. Um, good monster though great and, uh, monster work yeah. just I think the humans needed maybe another pass of the script yes apart from Ford Brody 
interesting choice they made just just carrying on from that to really to make it, it should have been called Mutu shouldn't it because there's much more Mutu than Godzilla in that yeah but you're not going to see a film called Mutu are you you know but well he was Muto 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 Muji Mutai what's the plural of Muto yeah there's two of them right I mean there's been there's, there's been a mostly about them it's been what? a trend this year of, of films changing their names yeah to not to great effect no. Uh, so I don't know, maybe we should get Wolverine to go back in the past and change the name of Godzilla to Muto. And, uh, I don't know. should change Godzilla to like say anything or like yeah. swim anywhere. <laughs> Munch that. really generic rom-com name. Munch Munch that. Big nuclear adventure. <laughs> that, that, that I would go and see. Raw. Like, raw. Can I say oh. I was a little bit disappointed by The Hobbit? I, I, don't think it, I don't think it... Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of the Rings movies and I really enjoyed Desolation of Smaug and I, mm-hmm. I didn't love this latest one I thought that the other two movies had set a lot of stuff up which I thought didn't really get paid off Bjorn Radagast they just sort of turned up for five seconds each can we guess each other's oh that's a good idea because I can guess that next is a million ways to die in the west no no that's yours Really? Is it mine? Well, you gave it one star. I just gave it so one it star. So it has to be your worst. Well, it's got to be right down there. It's it's uh, it's not Lucy levels, but it's uh, it's it's down there. No, the, I mean worst film of the year um, that I actually saw. The one that never seemed to ever end was the other woman, which yes, really did not end. I think it may still be playing in some cinemas, <laughs> and not because it's been off the rotation. It's just still going. It's still being made. It's just, honestly, I've never ever watched a film quite like that where you go, well, the director left halfway through. I'm pretty certain of that. I think he just went home. Right. Who's in it? Well, it's, it's Cameron Diaz. <clears throat> Leslie Mann and Kate Upton. I haven't seen the film. I've seen the blooper reel because, uh, Ali, you were watching the extras in the office, I think, and it was some pretty low-level blooping. Some of the worst <laughs> blooping I've ever seen. Didn't I, enjoy that. I watched it on a plane, which seemed the correct venue for it, um, and... and the journey seemed to last an awfully long time. Not as long, however, as when I watched Transformers on a plane. Uh, and it took me, I swear to God, the entire way across the Atlantic. <laughs> so it's like it Interstellar. Would, oh my, it would never, it just wouldn't end. <clears throat> I, I, it just kept going and going and nothing kept happening and yet it was still running. You can absolutely cut a good hour out of Transformers Age of Extinction and you might have a decent movie. Seriously, genuinely, in terms of the Transformers franchise. But... Uh, yeah, it's two and a that half one, I, hours I watched that on the plane to New Zealand and that, that took pretty much half the journey, which was great. Wow. Um, my worst film of the year may also be one of the ones that entertain me most, weirdly, Grace and Monaco. I went and saw it on the big screen on a Sunday afternoon and howled it all the way through it. It's so awful, but so brilliant at the same time. Yeah. Especially there's a sort of a training montage where Derek Jacobi is training her to use her face more expressively and he's holding up cue cards that say happy, sad, angry and it just keeps cutting back to Nicole Kidman doing the same expression and he's got a parrot on his shoulder as well it's, it's yeah. rent it he's meant to be almost teaching her to, to use her face less at that point isn't he like to, to be like a proper princess and it, it's just awful it turns like, into the Karate yeah. Kid but with Derek Jacobi and a parakeet yes it's it, amazing it makes Diana look like it was a, a triumph frankly mm. Um, I would also put in a shout for I, Frankenstein. I have an <laughs> enormously high tolerance for supernatural nonsense, um, as can be seen by my 10-season allegiance to supernatural. Uh, but this was just too much. I couldn't, I couldn't go there. I couldn't suspend disbelief. What's the worst extent. bit? Uh, uh, ooh, it would come between the credits and the end credits. No, it's just, it's just when, they, when they sort of lay out the mythology of it and you're supposed to buy into this system... It just it doesn't work. And when they find the baddies' lair, which they're based in, you know, one sort of cathedral at one end of town, it turns out the baddies' top secret lair is based in a big building at, across town. 
Yeah. Like it's t- eight blocks away. And you're just like, well, how small is the world? Why are you both in the same city? This doesn't make any sense. Of course, I Frankenstein is the mooted first part of a trilogy. Yes. Uh, I, I, Frankenstein. Yeah. You, Frankenstein, <laughs> followed by we, Frankenstein. He, she, or it, Frankenstein. <laughs> Somehow I suspect they won't get to the, uh, the, the, uh, the other two parts. Bit of a shame, bit of a shame. Uh, thank you for mentioning A Million Ways to Die in the West. I'd forgotten about that movie. That movie is unbelievably terrible. In a way, I was expecting Mrs. Brown's Boys, the movie, to be, to be awful. And also I had to review it, so I had to sit through it. Uh, but A Million Ways to Die in the West uh, is the only movie in years that I've walked out on. Because, frankly, life is too... Can I confess, I also walked out of it. But before I did walk out of it, which I don't do very often... Um, mm. Scary Movie 4 I walked out of and this I walked out of. There's a, Neil Patrick Harris does have an amusing song about moustaches. Okay. That, that is true. And, yeah. an, and a magnificent moustache of his own. And a fantastic moustache which he rocks with aplomb. I did that thing of walking out of Postman Pat and then remembering too late that I was watching it on DVD. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's that sort of film. You will lock yourself out of your house just to get away from. I think anyone that read my review in the magazine will know my thoughts on this. I won't yes. elaborate. I've Which is why we were like... so so surprised when Paddington turned out to be good. We were because yes. there had been some sort of weird four horsemen of the cinematic apocalypse. You know, we had Mrs. Brown's Boys, we had Pudsey the Dog the movie, we had Postman Pat the movie, and for all the world, it looked like Paddington might actually be the fourth horseman. And when it turned out to be a delight, I mean, we're, I think we'll talk about our surprises of the year. In fact, let's do it now. Uh, I, I, the most pleasant surprise of the year, the nicest moment, I guess, for you. And for me, it was watching Paddington. Uh, not just for the first time, but the second time when I watched it with a proper audience instead of a bunch of mithering, miserable film critics. Mithering. Uh, mithering. <laughs> and, um, and uh, you know, it, there, were, there were kids who absolutely were in the audience. You could just see that they were eating it up. And for me, that was the moment I was like, oh, this, this film's going to play really well. And uh, I'm, yeah, um, the moment of the year for me might be seeing, or surprise of the year, might be Pride. Now, Phil, you went to see it about two weeks before I did and came back saying, Helen, you'll love this, go see it. And I kind of went with a little bit of a trudge in my stride, just thinking, oh, it sounds like another, you know, ter- terribly good, worthy British film, happy days. Um, and it's it's completely delightful. It's funny, it's heartfelt, it's very, very smart. It's... Um, it's lefty without, I think, being preachy, um, which I like a lot. Um, and it's just, uh, and it's, and it is based on a true story. And it, you know, it's just enormously sort of encouraging and heartwarming tale, and not at all, you know, heavy-handed, um, you know, Brit worthy award contender kind of feel to it. It's, it's a real. It feels. It does feel much more populist than that, and it, and it really deserved a bigger audience than it got. So yeah, mm. that was probably my surprise of the year. Yeah, I suppose the other surprise is they didn't do a bit better. You yeah. Because it felt like this year, it felt like a full Monty type success. It should have been. I don't I, know what went wrong there. No, I don't either. I would say, by the way, I know if, we haven't mentioned it before, but uh, that does make uh, a really good double bill mm. with The Riot Club, um, just for the sheer contrast. Uh, we haven't mentioned that, but that is a film that has kind of stuck with me this year, and I think it's a really, really good illustration of the ugly face of privilege as brought to you by the prettiest faces in in british acting yes. um so so i think that i mean we we as a magazine i think only give it three but i liked it a good bit more than that a posh and pex double bell <laughs> exactly although you didn't see a lot of pecs in pride i don't know why i said that <laughs> there are no pecs in pride whatsoever you, you see a peck do you dominic dominic west gets quite buff he's quite buff in it isn't he Does, <laughs> do you see any actual mining 
You don't, do you? <laughs> of any kind. Maybe that's what he knew better. There wasn't more mining. It does give us a, uh, one of the, the images of you, doesn't it? I know you love this image, particularly, Phil, of Imelda Staunton. Yes, that's on my list. Doyen of British acting. <laughs> Waving a massive dildo around. <laughs> yes. Yes, that was one of my surprises, stroke highlights of the year. It's also your screensaver, and weirdly, a tattoo you've had on your face for some time. It's it's very off-putting. But it's not my face, Chris. He did win a Biffa, didn't he? It won the Biffa, the uh, British Independent Film Awards. It won the chief one. So, it in did, short, yes. you know, a minor success. It won one of the dwarves from The Hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> the Biffers. He hands them out. Amazing. Um... <laughs> My surprises of the year, I saw Locke, I got to see a really early preview screening and I knew nothing about it. Mark, our old editor, just said, come along and see this film with me and he told me it's Tom Hardy in a car for, for the whole movie and I thought it was going to be an action film. I had mm. not heard of it at all and it wasn't at all, obviously, an action film and it was incredible. That kind of blew me away. Was there a moment this year that made you cry? Steve Jobs news. <laughs> every, every week when someone pulls out of the Steve Jobs movie, <laughs> you're thwarted. Boyhood made me cry. It's our film of the year, and it made me cry on a number of occasions. I don't think we've talked about it enough, really, in this review of the year, because I think maybe we've talked about it too much on the website. There's going to be about three or four interviews yeah. up there. Uh, we have uh, the feature from the magazine, which explores its creation. We had a podcast interview from back in summertime this year. But really, Richard Linklater, I, I'm hearing rumblings like it's not a lock-in, obviously, for Best Picture, but it's certainly got a good shot. Mm. And not a gimmick. It's a very, very, very good film. And one worth re-watching. Lizzie B., um, one of our colleagues in the office, has watched it five times. Not bad mm. for a movie that's three hours long. Indeed. Yeah, yeah great film. Great got film. A, got a bit teary in a fault, a fault in Our Stars, a little bit. Yeah, I think you and the entire Western world, uh, yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. To me, the, the, the bits that got me in that film were her scenes with her parents, yeah. as opposed to the scenes with the boyfriend. But, um, but yeah, that's really upsetting. Fruitvale Station... Mm-hmm. Um, great, great uh, Ryan Coogler film with Michael B. Jordan. That that jerked a few tears out of me, um, as did the end of The Hobbit. I did get a bit upset. I would agree with Nick on many of the criticisms of the movie, but um, but that jerked us here. And How to Train Your Dragon 2, I find really upsetting. There's a moment where it looks like Toothless and Hiccup are going to be sort of, you know, torn apart forever, and, and I was genuinely... Even now I can hear it in your voice. Yeah. Even now. <sighs> Laura Dern is like cinematic onions, I think, at the moment. She's oh. the parent in... in Wild um, as well. Yeah, in uh, Fortnite Stars and in Wild. And she's lovely. Nick, you're a big fan of her. Didn't she call... She called our house once, weirdly, and spoke to, my, spoke to our mum. That's she, a different story. Yeah, she did. But, she did. But um, <laughs> Our mum's a big fan as well. Yeah, but she's back and she's doing really good things and she may end up with an Oscar nomination and make everyone cry. And dedicate it to our mum, presumably. I hope so. <laughs> That'd be good. Um... I don't know if I cried at all this year. I'm sorry. I've got a stony yeah. heart. The things that make me, the films that make me cry, tend to be Pixar animations. Weirdly, um, up obviously, but Wally as well. I've, I've wet I, every time I see those movies. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what's wrong with me. I need help. And this was I, a year without a Pixar, so you were so, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm a very tough tear. <laughs> it's very tough to get tears. It's very tough me. to jerk yeah. a tear out. Of it's you. very tough to jerk me in the cinema. Uh, it has been two tears. Two tears. Yes, I should mention that. But yeah. And this is, oh, comic book guy yet again. But yes, We Are Groot kind of made me tear up a little bit. And I'm not alone yes. in that. Various people, yeah. I've, various people I've, I've, I've spoken to um, uh, said to me, how the hell did James Gunn manage that? It's a CG tree talking to a CG raccoon. And yet mm. I felt something for those little guys. Um, so that, that one as well. The scene where um, uh, Hayley Atwell returns as Peggy Carter in Captain America, The Winter yes. Soldier and has a, an episode with Steve Rogers. And he goes, well, I... 
you know, I, I what does he say to me? He says something about you're still my best girl. Yeah, he, he yeah, and he calls her his best girl. Still made me tear up a bit, but mm-hmm. weirdly enough, I teared up about three or four times, and uh, every time I've seen it in bloody Paddington. Um, <laughs> me, too. Think, me too. Me yeah. too. I've, yeah. re- I've just remembered it was Paddington. Yeah, is it? Which is a glorious, funny, warm film, but it's also yeah. so moving and sweet. And I watched that. I watched Paddington in a screening room with five or six sort of hardened, jaded critics. And the point where he starts falling down the chimney, spoiler, um, <laughs> someone he actually yelled out, oh no! <laughs> it's just really funny. I hope it was Peter Bradshaw. <laughs> I suspect it was. Um, Mark Commode. I'm an easy cry, I should, full disclosure, but I did also tear up and 12 Years a Slave, obviously, I just of find course, it incredibly yeah. upsetting the whole way through, but especially yeah. when he gets home and apologises for being away so long. Oh God. Uh, yeah. hmm. uh, Interstellar, where the, the end... I'm going to say no more. And Pride, I cried up, about, uh, teared up about three times. Uh, songs and soundtrack of the year. Uh, Batman song from the Lego oh. movie. Oh, oh. not everything is awesome. Everything. Well, no, uh, Batman song is, is just awesome. funnier. No parents. Ow. Yeah. Batman. Untitled self-portrait. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. The one that goes do from Grand Budapest Hotel. Help me fucking out here. Oh, no. No, I know the one you mean. You're doing it perfectly well. (laughs) I don't need to help you at all. I was about to join in on percussion. (laughs) Oh, dear. No, I agree. That's a great song. I also like... um, Can I do that again? Sam Smith does some good work. And uh, the M83 track? Uh, Inside Lewin Davis, the whole soundtrack. Yes. I was going to say that. uh, Space, space, space. Odor, space. That was... But yeah, that was that prompted a weird few weeks in the office. That track, didn't yeah. it? I did. Remember that, yes. that soundtrack and the whole actually Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. Yes. I would say. Let's be walking cliches, Helen, and mention Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy one last time, you know shall it. we? Uh, yeah, the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack is phenomenal and kind of made a breakthrough, I guess, for soundtracks again because it actually was number one in the US uh, Billboard Top 100 yeah. for for a little while, not not a lot, but you know, it's it's been a long time since the soundtrack. I went to karaoke in New York a few a couple of months ago. And this is the impact of Guardians of the Galaxy. Every single song from the soundtrack was available in karaoke. Oh, presumably really? because they'd been requested multiple times. It's a place called Karaoke 17. Well, I happen to be going to karaoke tomorrow night, so I will check here in London. Do check here. Yeah, do check on. here. And do report back, Karaoke Queen. Uh, we'll see how like that one goes. Um, Only two soundtracks got five stars in the magazine this year, um, and that was Inside Lewin Davis and Hans Zimmer's uh, Interstellar. But there's plenty of fours as well. The guest um, had a good one. Pride had a kind of a good, Mm. a good kind of um, jukebox style. Lots of eighties of its era. Yeah, exactly. If you want to get down like Dominic West, look no further. The guest had a good uh, eighties tinge soundtrack as well. The guest is probably the soundtrack I've personally listened to the most this year. Some some awesome eighty stuff, Love and Rockets, Sisters of Mercy, all that kinds of stuff. Mm. Very good. Chef, a film that we haven't yet mentioned. Yes. Had a yes. soundtrack came in and everybody went for that one. Yes. The massive pile on, on the floor. It was unseemly. Yeah. I was actually running to one of those tracks this morning. Really? The, uh, the Marvin Gaye cover, which one is it? Sexual Healing? Sexual did, Healing, uh, yes. It's the Sexual Healing yeah. cover from the Chef's soundtrack. That's awesome. Also on the Wonderful. DJ Yoda fabric mix from about six years ago. Yes, yeah, it's been so around for a while. I've played that in yeah, the office I've, for years, but yeah. it's fantastic to see it come back. No, I'd heard it before, but it was... Uh, it's it was amazing. Have it myself. How can you listen to the Chef soundtrack? I mean, honestly, it's a great soundtrack, and it's a really lovely, warm hug of a movie, but how can you listen? I mean, even now my mouth is watering just thinking <laughs> about that movie, because I just want to eat everything in it, including John Favreau. It's kind of... <laughs> it's like a Pavlovian response. 
I am actually, I'm just realising that, you know, I haven't got any dinner lined, lined up for tonight and I could go home and make that um, garlic pasta he makes at uh, the beginning. Yeah. Did you know John Kogan hit you with that? John Cleese hates Mexican food. I thought you were going to say Mexicans. <laughs> uh, so thank God you finished that sentence. John Cleese? John Cleese. Yeah. Really? Yeah. How did you learn this? He appears in the new, in the new, oh my God, this is the most middle class thing I've said all day so far. Um, Waitrose <laughs> magazine. <laughs> you subscribe? He said, what's your, the question was, what's your favourite food? And he said, Mexican food, bring it to me and then take it as far away as possible because I hate it. And I was like, that's a weird way of answering the question. <laughs> Tell us something you like. Hates Mexican food. His bill at restaurants must be terrible. <laughs> uh, just, would you like to order, Mr. Cleese, all the Mexican food? That'll be £100, please. No, take it away. I don't want, I don't want it anymore. I don't know. So, in conclusion, in conclusion, he said, right in the 6-4 <laughs> essay, what's our personal highlight of the year? And this could be anything. This can be something we've done personally, or it can be the you know the film or the moment, or watching too many cooks for the first time, or whatever it is uh, that made 2014 for us. Ooh, that's a tough one. Well, this could be like an interview, or yeah, it could be an anything. interview or a thing oh, I, that you did. Uh, it's hard to top uh, the Gremlins reunion and getting to. Oh, getting to see yourself the actual achievements. puppets. No, I'm just excited. <laughs> They're puppets. That's great. And this is something you've been planning for a long, long time. Not really. Okay. <laughs> no, but you, you've been thinking about it because you'd always tell, you told me about this idea. You had this idea that you know you'd have the, the original oh, photo the shoot with the, the before and after. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah you could tell me so. for years. Yeah, but it was it was nice that happened. I got to meet Dick Miller. You, did. you don't get to do that every day, <laughs> unless you're Dick Miller's wife. <laughs> which case you meet him on a regular basis. You don't really meet him. (laughs) Again, there's another podcast. (laughs) Okay. Uh, That was amazing. Yes, Nick's Gremlins photo shoot slash reunion in the Empire magazine. Hosting my first press conference, which was for Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. All of you guys were abroad. Yes. So uh, I stepped into the fray, put my hand in the fire, and got Chris Bratt to uh, impersonate members of TOWIE. Uh, So yes, everyone who saw that on all the other interviews... I got him to do that first, and then suddenly BuzzFeed was at it, and I was the one who asked. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so that was a real honour, and I have I have the little sign that says Moderator Rally Plum, so that was pretty important you do. for me. Yeah. I mean, it'll never happen again. That's what's but, oh, okay. Yeah, so there you go. You insist on us calling you Moderator <laughs> I am the Moderator. Uh, Ali Plum is You're best the new in... Mo- villain. Yeah, well, the most passive-aggressive, middling man. I am the Moderator. <laughs> I don't want to, like, humble brag, but I've finished all my Christmas shopping. <laughs> really? Uh, really? Who hasn't? Come which on, year? who hasn't? Yeah. <laughs> Next year and the year after. Holy Christ. It's like a sl- I've got a slate. I'm like DC. A slate <laughs> of Christmas shopping. Um, with spin-offs and multiverses. Bro, you're getting what you got this year, but again. <laughs> Next year. In a different colour. <laughs> Just as well, probably the same colour. Um, my personal... I think Paddington, probably, in a weird way. I just feel... I feel you feel sometimes a little... Attached, I mean, I spoke to Paul King about it for your section of the magazine, Chris, mm-hmm. when it was announced, which was a while ago, and have been on set a couple of times and interviewed him a couple of times since then and wrote the feature and saw the creepy Paddington thing happening and was worried that it would end up dying a fiery death mm-hmm. in the furnace of cinematic disinterest. And then it came out and it was a big hit and everyone loved it and it was tra- fantastic. Um, so nothing whatsoever to do with me, but something that I really, really felt made me feel nice and good, especially for Paul King, David Heyman, Rosie Allison, the people that were responsible for it. Um, 
yeah, so that would probably be my highlight. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say uh, some of the stuff we've done on the podcast, actually. Um, we had our first two live shows this year, mm-hmm. which was pretty exciting. Um, and we interviewed some great people. I talked to Oscar Isaac. Uh, we talked to Matthew McConaughey, Gary Oldman. Um, not for the podcast, but I recently interviewed Michael Keaton, which was a bit of a thrill. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just been... It's just been a very fun year in that sense, um, and it's been it's been good to kind of get some of these people, especially on our spoiler specials, to really dig into things and and answer niggling questions and engage with the stuff on the same you know nerdy level that we sometimes like to. Because it is fun when you come out of a film. Sometimes it's the nerdy stuff that you just enjoy talking about and it's not that you hated the film but sometimes it's fun to pick it apart a little bit and it's been great to do that with the people who actually make these films i mean we asked a Mm. question about how do they cut magneto's hair in prison and simon kinberg said you know the only other person to ask that was michael fassbender (laughs) you know because it's the kind of thing that actors think about as well it's just it's fun so i've really enjoyed that for me i don't know it's it's so hard every time someone asks me these questions (laughs) things like who's the best person you've interviewed who's the nicest person you've interviewed everybody i've interviewed in my life goes out of my head um so I'm just going to say I'm agreeing, going to agree with Helen. I thought the live podcasts were fantastic uh, experiences. Great, great fun. Uh, we will be doing another one soon. Yes, yes, we will. <laughs> There's maybe an announcement to the people in the in the room as well. But we will be doing another one soon because lo and behold, 150 is coming up. Hey, yikes, look at that one. Um, so uh, keep your eyes peeled for information about that. Uh, but yeah, those were great experiences. The Jackie Chan Live podcast was also a great experience as well. But, you know, for me, this right here. This. This is made by 2014. Why are you pointing to your crot? It's my padding down underpants. Do you not like them? It's Guardians of the Podoxy <laughs> yes. assembled. Yeah. Um, it's been, you know, it's been, it's been great. It's been great fun. Thank you so much for uh, listening uh, to all the podcasts uh, and everything, all the spoiler specials and all the interviews. Brian Norman, came into the podcast this year. That was great. God's sake. I mean, this is a guy I've grown up, I grew up idolizing Barry Norman to have him on the podcast. Was, that was amazing. That is it for our 2014 review of the year. Join us next year for a review of 2015. <laughs> but of course, you can join us every Friday. We'll be back on the 9th, I believe, Ali. 9th of January uh, for the regular podcasts. So do check those out and do check out the spoiler specials. I think the first one next year is going to be Fast and Furious 7. Oh, yeah. We yeah. got some cracking uh, interviews in the first week. We have. Phil and I did both of them, I believe. Yes. Isn't that right? Michael Keaton and Eddie Redmayne paired with Felicity Jones. Um, one for Birdman and the other one for The Theory of Everything. Fantastic. That Yeah, it, it is cracking. In fact, January's uh, a belter already. We've got the likes of J.C. Chandor, Paul Thomas Anderson, all in the bag. They're all done, unless, of course, we press the big button mark delete, in which case we might be scrambling a little bit. But it's going to be a cracking year, 2015. Lots of big blockbusters, lots of great art house product coming over. Likes of Whiplash, Birdman, which weren't in the list this year, but will be in the list next year. So it's, it's something to look forward to. Uh, until then, uh, thank you so much for listening. Seriously, we could not do this without you guys. It's been, it's been fantastic. Uh, thank you, and goodbye to Helen. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, Phil. Goodbye. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Uh, Ali Plum. Oops. Together. Strong. (laughs) Bye. And Nick Desemlian. Keep it festive. Keep keep it festive. Keep it fresh. And it's goodbye for me. I'm off to St. Wolverine back in time to look for Ford Brody's socks. See you next time. Thanks. Bye.